Hello. I am here tonight. So, one thing you might notice is that I had you. In fact, in fact, let's just move the whole thing so we can get a shot. Hey, what do you think? Let's just move the camera right now. So, I got my bookshelf. I can open it. This is really actually my Bible shelf, if we're being totally honest. I've got a little display slanty there for different Bibles. I can put it on there to showcase what the inside looks like. Pretty nerdy. Um, let's see here. So let's go to chat. Hello, Bill. Bill says hello. So first and foremost, as always, if you'd like to support me in any way, there's the Streamlabs link. Um, pretty, pretty fantastic. Oh, hey, look, my little green bar at the bottom's full. Awesome. So if you're listening to this on audio, I have a little ticker box at the bottom that shows how much money has been sent to me. So, um, you can do that or you can buy, uh, as always, uh, resistance coffee and use the code Davis, right? So one other thing we are going, can I have a Bible? No, you can't, Justin. No, you can't, but maybe, maybe someday. Um, so I got distracted already, but basically, uh, lots of big stuff going on there or in Alberta, right? So I've been sent this video like 10 times already. It's about a guy named, uh, oh man. Now I'm forgetting his name already, but, uh, where is he? Let's get his name up here. Patrick King. Did Patrick King. Yes. So you guys have obviously most likely seen the rubble rumble video, uh, that's been going around or it's, I've seen it sent to me on other video outlets, but basically on rumble, a guy named Patrick King claims that his $1,200 fine court case is what is uh, overthrowing the government in Alberta's COVID rules. And um, uh, I watched a Rebel video on it today as well, which I'm going to show part of. Um, uh, Ezra doesn't think that that's the case. And also I have a contact... Uh, in the area who is saying the same thing that this guy actually lost his court case and it most likely has nothing to do with that. And there's all kinds of reasons why he's banned off of, uh, off, off of social media that aren't, um, related to this stuff. Uh, there's not that much I can say cause there's really not that much info I have, you know, it's basically just like, Oh, maybe don't trust everything this guy's saying. So I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I don't know, but I am going to bring you the video. So I have the original rumble video in the description of this on YouTube and Facebook, and it will be in the show notes on the audio version. And then also I've put the link to the rebel video and realistically, we're just going to go through the first couple minutes of that. Um, because I'm not going to show you a whole rebel video of a news article. Like I, I don't want to do video inception here where it's him watching Patrick King, me watching Ezra, 
and then me talking about Ezra and Patrick King. But we will show it for a minute <clears throat> because I just want you guys to see what's happening here. Uh, so let's go. And we got to have it down in the corner. We always have to have me floating in the corner, right? So I've queued up the Rebel video. Let's go here. Now, where is it? Ah, there it is. Okay, so let's see what he has to say. Actually, let's minimize this. Um, we're off to a rough start tonight. Let's minimize that. And there we go. So. Uh, there's one more thing I want to mention. Um, I've, I've received probably 20 emails today uh, about a video on Rumble uh, featuring an Albertan named Patrick King. Uh, do you have that video handy? Do you want me to send you a link to it? Yeah, that's the one. So I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit. Like I said, if you guys want to watch the full video, I have the link posted in the description of the video. Hey, Phoebe, it is going good. I saw that my uh, live feed on Facebook went up to 23, which is actually pretty good. It means that's way more than 23. So let's try and jump ahead here and see what he says. So we're going to do about two or three minutes of the actual video. And then Ezra's going to do some commentary, and that's when I'll stop. Individual people, take a look. Canada that the Daily Mail will not touch. None of the mainstream media is going to touch this. These propagandists are going to hide this from you because this is encouraging to freedom fighters, patriots who want to take matters into their own hands and stand up against this tyrannical, overreaching system of mandates that forces you to muzzle yourself with an ineffective face diaper, uh, socially distance away from your family, stop giving hugs, not visiting grandma, masking up your kids in school for 10 hours a day, possibly while you're exercising. It's all ridiculous. But breaking out of Alberta today, mandatory masking is coming to an end. Kids will not be masking when they return to school. Mandatory quarantine will be ending contract contact <clears throat> tracing, testing for mild symptoms. It's all done. They will now be recognizing COVID. So keep in mind, this is all true. This is all in the latest uh, update from Dina Hinshaw. Okay, so... Nothing to debate there. As a mild flu and treating it as such. Freedom has won in Alberta, proving that fighting does work. Joining us now. So the presupposition of the host already is that the fight that we've been having is what is turning uh, the government. Whereas I believe that it is quite, it's just, it's just to try and win the next election. That's what I think. And based on what I'm hearing about this court case, um, I really don't think that this court case is what has turned everything around. Um, if someone's got better evidence, please send it to me. Is Patrick King a devoted father of two, a proud Canadian? You were fined 1200 bucks for violating the COVID-19 Public Health Act for being in a group larger than 10 which I'm assuming is what lit the fire inside of you. And it appears that you, sir, 
were a part of the efforts that we can now celebrate today. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, Stu. Um, yeah, on December 5th, we held a rally. So in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, we have been known as the only city in Canada to hold the longest rally against all these government mandates that they've been putting in um, with regards to even our industries. Uh, I started back about four years ago. Um, I'm an oil and gas worker, have been for over 17 years. I also hold a degree in occupational health and safety and environment. And when they started to attack our industry out here, I started getting a little bit more vocal. So we've held rallies on our streets with, the, with regards to oil and gas and these, this government that we have for over three and a half years. And on December 5th, we were celebrating our, um, our 200th week of being on the corner on a Saturday morning protesting. And on that particular day, COVID um, mandates were implemented and, and, and they were going on for the last little while. And I was obviously targeted because of my voice. And I know this and it's in the transcripts in the court. Um, I was targeted and, and I received a ticket of $1,200. So I waited for my time in court. I ended up getting it on May the 4th, finally. And I went into court and I produced some information that I needed to request in order to put up a good plausible defense. And my, my, my material that... So I just want to address a comment here. So... Phoebe says, I think this is all temporary and they are going to break out in a new spot. Do not kid yourself. I do not believe they're done yet. So one thing I will say uh, is that I don't, I'm actually pretty hopeful that there's not going to be restrictions in Alberta through the winter. That's what I think. And, I, and basically the, the reason I'm leaning that way is because they really do want an election they know there's an R, and I've said this before, they know there's an army of conservative-sided people who got the vaccine because they were told, this will end it, things can go back to normal, let's just do our part, we'll all take one for the team. And I think you're going to have a large group of people in Alberta go, enough's enough. And I think that they know that. Now, one other thing is... Um, you're going to see with his case uh, that, you know, maybe these cases, like, maybe these cases are starting to weigh on them, just the sheer mass amount of them, and they know they're not going to win all of them, and then that will start causing problems, something like that. There's just a ton of cases. So do not be naive. If the government wants to lock you down, if Dina Hinshaw wants to lock us down, they can at any time again, right? So don't be surprised if it happens. But also, keep your eye out and just pay attention what's happening. You now have the NDP fully pushing to lock us down and isolate us and test everyone in their houses. It, NDP is the leftist political party in Alberta, the most far left one that is mainstream, okay, for anyone who's not from Alberta. So they're now pushing hard, and all of a sudden Jason Kenney is using conservative freedom fighter type rhetoric. The media is, the media is, um, the media is, uh, sorry, I got distracted by the comments again. 
the media is, uh, is, is biased and fear mongering and attacking us and all these people need to calm down and let's be reasonable. So they're using all that rhetoric that sounds good to us. Now that's never going to make me vote for them again. And so some people are asking me, um, so Phoebe asks, so do you believe they're trying to win us over and hope we forget when the election rolls around? That's exactly what I believe. <laughs> That's quite literally what I think is going to happen. Um, someone asks me, what is your take on Vax passports? Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll do something on that a different day. I didn't prepare for that. And I have a lot to say. Also Maureen. Hi. Um, so uh, I, yes, to answer Phoebe's question, I absolutely believe that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to win another election, which honestly, based on what the NDP is saying, you would almost want the UCP to win again. Cause at least you now know what you're getting. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not voting for them. That's not happening. Do I want them to win over the NDP? Probably regardless of what's happened. I would still want them to win. I think. So anyway, let's get through this to where, uh, to where he starts, uh, to where Ezra starts talking. What I requested was the isolation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and I wanted it isolated and not in a in a in a lab setting or in a PCR test because we know the PCR tests they're overspun. We know we're not stupid people. Right. We know we research, we look. Yeah. So in doing that, they kind of shut me out of the court. I was supposed to be in court on May the 18th. All of a sudden, I get once I deliver all of this, and I get told. As a self-representative, I can, the, the judge has to advocate for me and steer me in the right direction. Also, I know someone who has the first day of court proceedings from this guy. There's also something going on about him crowdfunding to pay for the documents, and he has not produced those documents yet. Just keep that in mind. There's... We always want to jump on something and get really excited, but I think it's best to hold our water on this one and wait and see what pans out and not get too excited, okay? At which time she allowed me to subpoena Dina Hinshaw, who is our chief medical officer of health for Alberta, who basically what my defense was to be was I needed proof that you have isolated the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And that, therefore, the science would give you the backing for your public health act. Which, in plain and simple terms, means prove to me that a pandemic exists. Prove to me that we're all going to die. Prove to me that this thing is raging out of control and that people are dying from this thing. 100%. And if they did that, then I would be no problem. I would say, okay, you're right. You've got this. I'll put this mask on. Well, as soon as I subpoenaed her, I got, a, I got an officer shows up at my door three days later. He says, Mr. All right. It, the video, if I recall, is like something like 15. So one thing you'll pick up on when you watch this video, and he's uh, Ezra's going to comment on that too, is that uh, is that uh, he uh, these these guys don't believe the COVID vi like the SARS-CoV-2 virus exists, uh, which I've seen that uh, I, I lean that direction at the start, but I. I, I, there's, there's a lot of, there's just too much evidence showing that it's made in a lab from those doctors who have studied it to maybe make the claim that it doesn't exist at all because you've got those 
You've got those doctors who are totally on our side saying, no, this was made in the lab, this was warfare, all that stuff. And yet, and yet here we are, uh, uh, you know, still having the argument that, that, that it doesn't even exist. I'm not sure if I can get behind that. Uh, I, I believe COVID exists. I just don't think it's, like, scary, right? minutes long, so I don't want to play all of it, but just to give you a flavor of it. Um, so Stu Peters is the name uh, of the uh, host. I think he's American. I've, I've actually never uh, heard of him before. And um, sorry, I just want and Patrick King. Sorry about that, is the name of the uh, Albertan. And I watched the whole thing. I was curious if he was one of our 2,000-plus Fight the Fines clients, and he was not. In fact, in that video, you just heard him say he's self-represented. Um, and a lot of people, like, I'm, like literally as I'm sitting here, I just got an email just like two, five minutes ago. Carol Usher just wrote to me and said, if you truly are a rebel news agency, you need to cover groundbreaking court case involving Patrick King in Alberta. So he's basically just going to go through um, a long list of just people that emailed him about this. So this thing's blowing up. Everyone's sending it to him and me on a small scale. I received like 10, right? And that kind of just shows you the how massive uh, Rebel is because they just got hit with emails, emails, emails. He even got one right while it was happening. So I'm just going to try to skip ahead find the part where he actually talks about <clears throat> uh talks about uh the the evidence uh yeah right here so let's just go back right here so basically the the chief medical officer of health couldn't produce material evidence so let's remember that patrick king was making the claim that they have no evidence to present uh and uh, which sounds exciting for us, but he's going to give his opinion on that. And remember, he doesn't know him like he claims to not know him. He's not one of the fight the fines guys. So he's just going over this because it's been sent so many times. Right. Um, and he talks. Yeah. Can you pump that up a little bit bigger? So this looks um like it's the government's reply to him. Can you scroll up a little bit here? So, um, on, that's fine. Yeah, so we're just grabbing this from the, yeah, so we don't have the whole document, but Mr. King obtained a subpoena for Dina Hinshaw to give evidence in the provincial court and served the subpoena on July 15th. The subpoena requires Hinshaw to attend a trial. The subpoena was issued by a justice of the peace under the criminal code it requires her to bring all white papers describing COVID uh, in human beings directly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Justice of the Peace did not have jurisdiction to issue the subpoena under Section 34 of the Evidence Act. It should be quashed mm -hmm. on this basis. Um, and then this is what Patrick King says is very important. The Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dean Hinshaw, has no material evidence. Mr. King has no evidence showing that the evidence sought from the chief medical officer is likely to be material to the provincial court proceeding contrary to those sections of criminal code um, 
and we'll look up those in a second, sections 698 and 699. As such, the Justice of the Peace did not have jurisdiction to issue the subpoena, and it should be quashed on this basis. So this is obviously uh, the government responding to his subpoena. Mr. King explained the reason for the subpoena in the document he attached to Schedule A. Um, to the subpoena. It is clear that Mr. King seeks evidence relating to the rationale for orders issued by the medical officer under the Act. He seeks evidence about the crafting of the statutes. So that's all we see there. I'm just going to quickly look up Criminal Code 698. The reason I'm, I'm saying this is, um, okay, that's compelling the attendance of witnesses. So let me say this. I don't know what Patrick King was charged with. It sounds like he was charged with being an illegal gathering. Sounds like he got a subpoena for Dina Hinshaw, the public health uh, officer, um, to show up with her documents about it, uh, about the virus. And it looks like the government applied to quash that subpoena, that is to have it thrown out. And from listening to the video, it sounds like they were successful. Um, and he, do you keep that up just for one more second? So this, again, is taken from the video. It looks like Patrick King is putting great importance on this statement from the Attorney General. Okay, so something that I missed when I skipped ahead is that what he just said there is this shot is, is, is from, the, is from hit their video. So Patrick King was showing this as important, okay? The chief medical officer has no material evidence. So um, let me explain as a former lawyer what this means. Patrick King says that this means that Dina Hinshaw, the CMOH, chief medical officer of health, has no evidence about the virus. But I don't think that's what is written here. I think this means that the government's position is that Dina Hinshaw, the chief medical officer of health, has no material evidence to the proceedings in provincial court. So, thanks, Justin. So, I, I think that Patrick King is misunderstanding that. I think when he subpoenaed Dina Hinshaw to come and talk about his provincial court case, whatever that was for, the government's saying, well, she has no evidence relevant to this hearing. And it sounds like the government was successful. I don't know. I haven't seen um, what the charges are. I haven't seen the legal documents back and forth. So there you go. Basically, he doesn't think this is this uh, groundbreaking thing that happened. Uh, and so I, I can't, uh, interpret like legal jargon either. Right. So <clears throat> we're kind of, I'm just going to have to wait for this to unfold. It doesn't seem like it's as crazy and amazing as we're being led to think it is. Okay. So again, go watch the full video, go watch Ezra's full video. They're both linked in the description. And they're both going to be linked in, in the audio as well, right? So, um, what else do we have up? Oh, there we go. Okay. So, 
one thing that we've been seeing a lot of is that you're seeing lots of vaccinated people testing positive. Uh, I've been sent tons of tons of articles, and honestly, shout out to Bill Kaufman. He sends me videos straight to my phone and articles straight to my phone. And I often check those a lot. And he's usually one of the first people to, to send them to me. So we're going to see what's going on in Massachusetts right now. Okay. Because Massachusetts, oh, look at that spacing. It's beautiful. Uh, Massachusetts has been... Uh, what is going on here? Is it still cut off on there? Let's see, we're just having a technical difficulty. Why is this article so ugly, hey? So, I don't know if that fixes it. Let's see. Oh, it does. Alright, so I'm not going to be able to read comments right now because I have to keep this screen enlarged. So, Let's check out what's going on in Massachusetts. Most COVID-19 cases in Massachusetts outbreak among vaccinated, says CDC. But they've always got, they've always got a reason why that's not beneficial to our point, but actually proves that's their point. As, and I believe that we'll really see that in the next article that I'm going to read uh, from Singapore. We're talking about what's going on in Singapore. So. From investing.com, and it looks like it was quoted from Reuters, three quarters of people infected with COVID-19 at July public events uh, in a town on Cape Cod in Massachusetts were fully vaccinated. A study by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, showed. The study published on Friday suggested the Delta variant of the virus was highly contagious. The outbreak occurred in Princetown on Cape Cod, according to Barnes-Table County <sighs> Health Authorities. Sorry for the yawn. The CDC study found vaccinated individuals had a similar amount of virus presence as the unvaccinated, suggesting that unlike other variants, vaccinated people infected with the Delta variant could transmit the virus, the CDC said. So, well, you know what, hold on, let's keep reading. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said this was a pivotal discovery, leading to CDC's recommendation this week that masks be worn in areas where cases were surging as a precaution against possible transmission by fully vaccinated people. I'll ask the Liberal Government of Canada, can I use a cloth mask or can I use a blue surgical mask? I don't want to destroy the environment. That's shout out to my last episode. Go listen to that one. So, I think this uh, paragraph is the most important. The CDC study found vaccinated individuals had a similar amount of virus presence as the unvaccinated. So, unlike other variants, vaccinated people infected with Delta variant could transmit the virus. Okay. So, what is going on here? Did they develop a different test for variants? Is that what happened? So, 
the same PCR test cycled 45 times or whatever just works and it somehow can differentiate between the original strain and the Delta and whatever else the other variants are called, it can distinguish between all of those. That's what, that's what they're telling us. Remember that. Um, that's never, I don't, I don't think there's anything to back that up that the same PCR test actually does it, uh, actually can differentiate. So let's see here. So let's stop sharing that video and we're going to go to the next one. These are quick. Um, we're just going to blast through these bad boys up to 75%. Ah, yes. So where, where's going on here? Ah, yes. So, in Singapore, up to 75% of new COVID cases are in the vaccinated. Uh, but getting jab lowers chances of serious illness, figures show. So, that's one thing I also remembered. I remember the first time, I, I believe it was an Australian premier, I heard him talking about the no jab, no pay or something. And that was for normal vaccines, for other things. No jab, no pay, or no jab, no play. It must have been pay. But that was the first time I ever heard the word jab. And it just sounds so nasty still. What an awful way to put it. Get the jab. Like You're not making it endearing sounding, right? So just just a side note. I, I hate that they call it the jab. Although that was helping us not trip the algorithms on Facebook for a while. So I do use jab. I did use jab a lot at one point. So 75% of people who got infected with COVID-19 in Singapore recently had been previ previously inoculated. None of them, however, got seriously ill. The health authority said encouraging further vaccination. So what is amazing is that what they'll say is that, you know, almost no one gets ill or no one gets ill. Um, because they got vaccinated, but there's no one really getting that ill anyway, right? Um, they're not talking about all the illness caused by the shot, which we're not allowed to talk about. So I just say allegedly again. So anyway, in the last 28 days... 1,096 locally transmitted cases were detected in the country. Freshly released statistics show some 48% of those who fell ill had been fully vaccinated, while a further 30% received one only one shot of a COVID-19 vaccine. The rest of those contracted coronavirus had not received any jabs at all, so the smallest amount. The fresh statistics reinforce the idea that if not preventing the disease entirely, vaccination significantly lowers the chances of people becoming critically ill. And then there was a cruise canceled. <laughs> so, there's continuing evidence that vaccination helps to prevent serious Ill disease when one gets infected. So I don't, I can't even read this anymore, honestly. Um, I'm good. We're good, right? So one thing I'll tell you guys, um, 
I should have said this earlier, is if you can share this video, like it, hit like a bunch, stuff like that, really help me out and just push me up there out into the internet's world. Because basically we're trying to get big enough that we get banned from everything, right? That's that's the goal. And then you can come find me on alternate streaming services and of alternate video services, right? So, they are, I'm hoping that people wake up at some point. This is not a technically spiritual issue. It's not. And yet there are so many people that are still so blind. So, but they, but, but all the mainstream media, they're very, it's not smart, but the mainstream media and the politicians are very good at padding everything so that the person who doesn't want to believe what's happening always has an exit. They can just be like, oh, well, I read that um, vaccines, uh, like you'll still, you'll still get sick, but you won't get as sick. So it's a good thing I got the vaccine because it's still sort of protecting me from the Delta variant. You, you know, so there's always going to be uh, essentially plausible diet deniability on the government's behalf because you can always still feel like the government is protecting you. There's no, there's, there's always going to be a way out for these people to pick the side that, or to pick, to pick the exit strategy so that they don't have to face what's happening, what's happening to them. And they will latch onto these things that we know are dumb. This is foolishness, right? It's totally foolishness. So... I think that basically covers everything I wanted to talk about with um, <clears throat> these people that are testing positive who are double shot vaccinated. And um, yeah, so there is one really interesting thing that happened to me this week. So basically, I got asked to talk to someone who who has some uh who has some strange theological leanings uh um he, he was given my info hey this guy wants to ask you a bunch of questions can 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 you give him some answers and i said sure i'll try and so actually he sent me the the questions about a month ago and and honestly they were just really loaded uh and and had a stance of argumentativeness to them right off the bat. And I was just like, honestly, I, I know how this is going to go. And I'm just, I really, I don't know if I want to invest in answering them. So then he messaged me the other day and said, Hey, uh, can someone else answer my questions if you can't? And I was like, okay, I'll bite. So I just started asking him some questions and it kind of went into a back and forth where, uh, you know, he accused me of not wanting to answer the questions, but, you know, some of them are just really, you know, really confusing. So, like, why do you not worship on the Sabbath? Like, why do you not keep the commandments of God, but instead follow the commandments of man? 
and uh, you know just really strongly worded questions like that right so i'm being uh i'm just i'm being pressured by him to answer these questions like, okay so why don't we worship on the sabbath or on the saturday uh what happened there so i say okay what about Acts 27? And Acts 27 says, I've got my Bible here. If you want to look at it, actually, I'll put it on the screen as well. Acts 27. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged this message until midnight. So the big thing there is not who he's talking to or anything like that. That's not what I'm here to talk about. It's literally just the first sentence up to the comma. It says, on the first day of the week. So I send that to him. And he says, yeah, all of your Protestant pastors and the Pope and everybody are hiding, are hiding the truth from you. Look at the Greek. And it's like, I literally have a phone that I can look the Greek up on. Like I have an app where I just click on the words and it gives me the Greek words or the Hebrew words if it's the Old Testament, right? And so he says, look, that word says Sabbath. And so if that word were just Sabbath, me as an English speaker would be like, okay, so it says on the, the first day of the Sabbath? That's my first question. What does on the first day of the Sabbath mean? Why would that make sense? So I'm going, okay, week, Sabbath. All right, I don't understand here. There's obviously something going on. Um, I'm not going to immediately jump on the thought process that, oh, everyone's hiding stuff from you. Look at the original text. When literally anyone can look it up and see that the word is sabaton there the word sabbath in greek right so i go okay i'm gonna look into it so i go on literal word by the way download the literal word app i think you can now switch it to the esv or the nesv uh yeah uh, sorry uh, let's bring up let's bring up the verse it's just so we can visualize so yeah awesome so there it is. Let's put me down in the corner again. Hmm. Just got to rearrange my windows. So. Oh, look at that. Hey, it like plumped it up for me. Well, that's nice. This is a great website. So right here on the first day of the week. Okay. So what you've got here is this word is sabaton week is sabaton and then as i was clicking through these uh to get the greek to come up there was only one other word in this entire section and it was ehis and i can't i don't know how to pronounce these words i'm just trans it's just translated literated into the english pronunciation and i'm just saying it so Ehis Sabaton. I don't. I don't speak Greek. I haven't learned biblical Greek. 
So I'm not trying to teach that. I don't, I don't know it. So I see that and I go, that's, that's interesting. So what am I going to do? Well, on this literal word app, what you can do on the phone is click on the word week and it will bring up every time it uses the word week. So I look up all this, I look up all the references to week and I'm looking through and I see that it's always in reference to on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week. And those all say Sabaton. Okay. So, but I find one that's really interesting that I thought, uh, I thought was, uh, was important um, for this guy because he uses the word Sabbath twice. Oh, that is the wrong one. It's that was a little dyslexic of me. Matthew 28 1. So this is really interesting. This is one of the, I believe it's the only instance where the word Sabbath is used twice and it is used in its two meetings. So now it says Matthew 28 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. So, if they're just trying to hide the word Sabbath from you, it now says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the Sabbath. So, that wouldn't make any sense, right? So now I've got some context and some murky proof uh, that no one's hiding anything from me. So I, I, I explained it to him, and actually, I'll just get my phone out here, and I'll explain. Hopefully I can find it really quick. Um... I'll explain it the way I said it to him. So I send him Matthew 28, 1, and I say, then this is all going to be corrected, right? So this isn't, this is just what I wrote him as an answer. I sent him this verse and I said, look, no one's hiding the Sabbath from, from you. So I just said the word for week is the word sabaton. In, in Greek, context dictates what the word must mean now that's a little clunky and caveman-ish but i feel like i did an okay job saying that said if that word was translated sabbath twice in that verse it would make no sense so we as english speakers must figure out what's going on there look up the usage of week it is always preceded by ehis that word dictates the meaning of sabaton, and that's and so I sent him like the the whole translation thing, um, and I said every time that word ehis precedes sabaton, it's translated week. Everywhere else, the word sabaton is always translated sabbath, because ehis somehow determines the usage. So, 
So Phoebe is saying Sabbath begins at sunset of the previous day. Yeah, so that might be relevant here. I'm not sure. But basically, I... And this is funny because he accuses... He, uh, there's this accusation that, oh, you're just listening to what your pastor says. You're just listening to what your pastor says. Which, you know, uh, both both of my the main pastors at my church, um, <clears throat> when they're working through a text to preach it, they go to the Greek and make their own, trans, like work through the translation of it so that they understand what's going on. So I texted my pastor about this one of them and he heavily i think he nerded out about it i think he got excited he got he got interested so i asked him the question about the two words and he actually dealt with matthew 28 1 first so this is what he says and some of this sounded like total jargon to me so i had to ask for clarification he says it would seem to me that you would need to identify how the genitive is being used in differing ways within the verse and considering the context. Ah, yes, the genitive. So, if you're like me, you might have heard that term, but you probably haven't really looked up what it means, okay? Or you don't know what it means. Um, so, the gen he says, the genitive case is indicated by the Greek spelling of the word, ending with the own sound. The identical word is used in Matthew 28.1, but the genitive usage is different, I'd assume. He's assuming at this point. I'll look at the verse more in depth and provide, provide you an exegeted understanding. Awesome. Thanks, sir. So, I, t I ask him, uh, yeah, I don't know, I t just told him, I don't know the terms, but it's obvious that it's not hiding the Sabbath, right? So he comes back to me. The genitive case is often referred to as the limiting case. That being limiting something in terms of quality. The first usage of the Sabbath is making reference. This is for 28.1. So the first use of the Sabbath right there. Now after the Sabbath. The first usage of the Sabbath is making reference to a specific week and cannot be divorced from the two Greek terms preceding it. It reads literally in the NASB. Now, after the Sabbath, referring to the week which has just passed. So, it's the whole week that has passed. Past officially ended. So, a progressive sequence of events in time is being indicated by the first genitive as supported by the preceding conjunction <laughs> and preposition. Time has moved from Passion Week into the next week. So obviously there's, there's some terms there that are a little bit over our head. But I'm going to keep going because I think it's really cool and we get the gist of it. Time has moved from Passion Week into the next week. So then he says, the second genitive, and I assume that's in now after the Sabbath, from Matthew 28.1, pinpoints the exact day of the following week. Oh, no, sorry. The second genitive is, would be this part, the first day of the week. It's in there somewhere. 
So the second genitive pinpoints the exact day of the following week of which the writer is describing the ongoing events. So it should be understood as now. It was the week following the Passover and the first day of that week. Hold on here. So let's read that again. So it should be understood as now it was the week following the Passover. So it's the week following the Passover and the first day of that week. Okay, so now after the Sabbath, as it began to to dawn, so sun is coming up toward the first day of the week. Okay, so Sabaton or Sabbath in Greek can mean week in 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 context. That's what we're seeing here. So he goes now to Acts. So let's go back to Acts. Oh, I can just click on it. Now we're back at Acts. On the first day of the week. So the conjunction D or day is marking a transition to a new portion of the narrative or pericope. These that was a new word for me. Equals new paragraph. So ah, I see. So this is breaking it up so there's a new paragraph there. The NASB does not supply a transitional word, leaving the reader to understand for himself a scene change. So there has just been a scene change. From verse 26 to 7. And I said, thank you. So now, he sent me a lot of stuff to check out. Uh, actually, I'll read the revised version. He even revised it. So, additionally, Luke, being a details guy, is again pinpointing a specific day of the week. The first day, but this time using the dative case to indicate a specific day during the week. Namely, the first within which the events described from verses 7 to 12 took place. So he's framing it, and he's telling you that this is when verses 7 to 12 took place. All that to say, nothing has been hidden. If anything, the writers have spelled things out for the reader very explicitly. So this is really cool. Um, then he says, Finally, given the grammar and context, technically the word day is supplied to provide further definition. Literally, 27, 20 verse 7, would read, on the first of the week slash Sabbath. So, that's really interesting. And so, let's see what Phoebe's saying here. They were not using a Gregorian calendar either. It would have been a Jewish calendar. Absolutely, but in the... Yeah, there's all. Yeah, that's just another issue for these people. I think that want to force us to adhere to, to the law again. 
I would say read Galatians and we are not being burdened by the law anymore. We are free in Christ to obey and love and serve him, right? So, oh, he's got more. So, oh, he goes back to Matthew 28. He says, one other note. The first in Matthew 28, one is in the accusative. So that's an interesting, that's a, that's a tense. The accusative, I think, I'll just say, I think the, it's in the accusative pinpointing that the event occurred specifically during or within the duration that the sun was coming up. He goes, so it's a really, really, really detailed account. And then he said, I, you, I probably won't, I probably wouldn't ask him another question <laughs> because it was so detailed. I'm like, no, thank you so much. He probably didn't know I was going to read it on this video tonight, but that's okay. So that was really cool. Um, that, that is one of my two pastors did that for me and he did it really fast. I think, I think he kind of nerded out on it, uh, which, which is exciting. So another thing I asked this guy said, what is the gospel? And he, then he said, no, I want you to answer my questions. Why are you skirting me kind of thing? And I then went back to, okay, so what is the gospel? And he said, uh, on paper, me and you would agree with the same terminology. So he still hasn't given me an answer of what the gospel is. And uh, I guess right now, I would just ask you guys, what is the gospel? After all that, showing, like, first, let's just dial it back and just see how detailed this work is. What are the, think about this. What are the, just this hiding the Sabbath context. What is the chance that every English translation where there is tons of theological variants within the translators, on the teams, everything from the New Living Translation to the, uh, the completely almost interlinear literal Bible. I can't, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but there's these, there's a Bible translation out there. That's basically unreadable because it's so literal. And I'm not talking about just a straight interlinear. Okay. But from, from the NLT, which is made to just be a readable, almost paraphrase. It's a translation, but it's kind of paraphrasy, right? All the way over to the most literal Bible. What are the chances that every translator is trying to hide the Sabbath from you when there's still Christians that actually believe like and and they and they and they uh they they don't want to be Sabbath breakers, they're convicted not to break the Sabbath, right? So, what are the What's, what's the goal there? Think about it. What's the, how all these different translators have different translations because they all have different philosophies and there's just a huge number of teams on there and there wouldn't be one person in any of those translations to willing to just come out and be like, yeah, we're hiding stuff in the text. Um, and I saw it happen and it was really dishonest. It's just... It's just too big of a, it's just too big of a conspiracy, I think. 
So there's that. But also, I think that there's going to be a deficiency with the gospel coming up here. That's what we'll find with someone who believes this stuff, who wants to burden you with the law, because they don't believe the gospel, right? Um, this, this book, this book we have, um, as a Christian, we are to believe it came from God. And the people doing the translational work on this, a lot of them believe that too. I'm not going to say everybody, because I don't know every translator on everything. But the NASB 95 is, is, is an amazing translation. And it was done with diligence and respect for what it is. God's word. And you can trust your translation. If you have one of these literal translations... You can trust it. The NLT, the New Living Translation, which I don't like, is going to teach you basically what the Bible says anyway. Okay? Um, despite anything that I might have wrong with it, if you have a New Living Translation, probably not even going to say anything to you if I meet you in person. I'm not even going to address it. You can trust your translations. These people are trying to show you what God told us. They're trying to translate it for you, and they, they want you to be able to read it. So you can trust these words. You can. And so, again, as always, what is the gospel? Actually, while I'm talking, if anyone wants to explain the gospel in the comments, they can do that too. Let's flood, let's flood the comments with the gospel, right? So, what is the gospel? It is this. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. But God has given us the gift of... Of salvation for free right and so I always forget what 324 says it's like a lapse in my head and I can never remember it Romans 323 then it says being just Romans 323 into 24 24 says being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom and whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. So, Jesus Christ was sent because all have sinned against God. Everyone. Everybody you know is a sinner. Everybody is without hope. Everyone is going to have to stand before God and be sent to hell to pay for their sins. But, instead, God sent his one and only son as a gift to go to the cross. Die on the cross. Pay for your sins. Spill blood, his blood for your sin. How is that possible? Jesus Christ was the sinless sacrifice. He is the sinless 
Lamb of God. He is called the Lamb all throughout Revelation. He is the sinless Lamb of God sent to be sacrificed to cover your sin. If you believe on that sacrifice and you repent of your sin, you trust in Him for the forgiveness of your sins and believe that after three days He rose from the dead and conquered death, if you believe that, you will be saved. You will be. If you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, if you got through all that junk that I was talking about, and it's not junk, but all that jargon that basically I didn't even I didn't understand either. If you got through that and you're here now, you can understand and read this book. This book is sent by God and it teaches you how to be saved from your sin. So all that to say, believe on him. He is good. And don't be filled with fear about what's happening in the world. Like, if I were not a Christian, I could not... I don't know how I would be able to deal with what I have to deal with. Or with what we're dealing with right now. If I was a non-Christian and I also understood what was happening in the world, but without hope... It'd be awful. Really, really awful. Right? So, we need to go out and give people hope. And so, actually, um, on a side note, I gave, I, just recently I was able to give someone a Bible tract and a Gospel of John. We had been talking about just reading and um you know, studying and what am I, like, what do you believe? And I want to know what's, what's right so that I can teach my daughter what's true. This is the conversation we were having. And there was me and another Christian who said, dude, like you have to believe the Bible. God has spoken. God has sent his son and Atheism is illogical and makes no sense. The God of the Bible is the only consistent God that can exist. So he's got a gospel, John. He said he's going to read it. So pray for that guy. Uh, I won't give out his name. But pray for him. Pray that he would read it and understand it and, and desire to get the rest of the Bible. Okay? And so, yeah, with that, uh, I'm going to close keep keep uh keep him in your prayers um you know what one more thing there's still the link in the in the in the description to the goFundMe for mojo diner as far as I know they're still being brutalized by a h s and not uh not being allowed to open and so yeah just just uh help them out so if you can. And, um, yeah, I'll see you next week, I guess.